You're listening to Messy Jesus Business. I'm Sister Julia Walsh, a Franciscan sister of perpetual adoration, and a writer, jail minister, and spiritual director living in Chicago. Welcome to The Mess. You're listening to Episode 2 of Messy Jesus Business. I've been blogging at MessyJesusBusiness.com since 2010. Messy Jesus Business, the blog and now the podcast, explores the mess of living the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we love God and neighbor, we step outside of our comfort zones. Because we love God and neighbor, we advocate for social justice, do acts of service, live simply, and practice contemplation. As we build a better world through God's help, we come to see the face of Christ alive in the messy and broken corners of our world and experience intimacy with Christ. It's a beautiful and challenging lifestyle, and we welcome you into the mess. Now, on to our guest. Our guest today is Sister Mary T. Perez, OP. Mary is a Dominican sister of Mission San Jose. Since entering her congregation in 2009, she has been a high school teacher and a college campus minister. Currently, she is pursuing a master's in divinity at Harvard Divinity School. She loves making music, especially with her pals at Harvard Divinity School, and is passionate about interreligious spiritual encounters. She also loves archives, social media, contemplative walks, and jazz drumming. Friends, pretty cool and very smart. I'm amazed that she's my friend. She joined me through Zoom from her convent in Los Angeles. We discussed religious life, what it means to be a Dominican, how she ended up studying at Harvard Divinity School, network of women religious under age 50 that we both belong to called Giving Voice, what it means that God is a border crosser, how Christians are called to engage in interreligious relationships, and why listening is an essential part of discipleship. Enjoy! Okay, hi, we're recording. (laughs) Hi! Anyway, welcome to Messy Jesus Business. Thank you. I'm so excited. Yay. I think it is super cool that Messy Jesus Business is now turning into a podcast. (laughs) It's going to allow for such cool ways for people to engage and get to know you in a different way and like all the people that you are connected with too. Yeah. Well, and thank you for being one of our first guests. I, I keep speaking in like the third person as if like I have a, a team like producing this with me, but really <laughs> it's just me, myself and I. <laughs> and you have like different personalities, like your producer <laughs> personality. Yeah, right. You know, one thing I'm aware of is like, I just call you Mary. I think of you as Mary, but I've heard you call, like introduce yourself as Mary Therese another mm-hmm. context. So what do you actually prefer? Like, so I yeah. am in my formal sister role, then I prefer Sister Mary Therese. Mm-hmm. And if I am being me, 
which sister is part of that, but leading with different identity, then I prefer Mary. Okay. So you're okay with me continuing to call you Mary, but since this is for the public. Mary is also fine for that. Your sister, Mary Therese. I am Sister Mary Therese. Perez. Perez. Dominican sister of, no. Yes. Not of. Yes. Of Mission San Jose. Got it. Not Mission of San Jose, just Mission. Mission San Jose. Yes. Dominican sister of Mission San Jose. And that's intentional too, to say Dominican sister of Mission San Jose versus Mission San Jose Dominican, because I think it's important, as do many other, that we lead with that identity that we are Dominicans together and have these congregations that we're a part of. But what is most salient to my identity is that I'm a Dominican, not that I am Mission San Jose as separate from Cincinnati or Adrian or different ones. Yeah, and what does Dominican mean for those that have no clue? Dominican means being part of the family of St. Dominic, an 800-year-old tradition that has had sisters, nuns, friars, and lay people in, in its family for that time. So I'm a Dominican sister, not a Dominican nun. Mm-hmm. Which means you're out in the world, serving. I'm out in the world. I'm not living in a cloistered enclosure. Mm-hmm. And also, it means that as a Dominican sister, my congregation is the place where I call home, as well as the supposed authority um, that I follow. Mm. So, whereas the Dominican friars canonically fall under the master of the order. Dominican sisters, each are their own autonomous self-governing entities. Oh, interesting. That's a good distinction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With constitutions approved by the Vatican. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what year did you enter your community? I entered my community in 2009, made first vows in 2012, and final vows in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. 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 And I think we've known each other like five or six years, maybe seven or eight. I don't know. It's hard to say by now how long we've been friends. It is really hard to say. Like I have (laughs) memories of you at like 20s and 30s retreat, but hard to say what year that is. Yeah. Yeah. And by 20s, 30s retreat, just so our listeners know, she means a gathering of sisters in their 20s and 30s through the organization called Giving Voice, which is a network, I should really say network instead of organization, it's a network for for us women religious under age 50, but they're every January is a gathering for those of us in our 20s and 30s, so yeah, it's been good to know you through that, and a year ago we were working really hard to get ready to host the uh, national gathering which happened last june in st louis and i think that's how we really bonded i think so too i was just looking through old emails and i was like wow that was a lot of work (laughs) we worked so hard (laughs) to put that together so many emails (laughs) but Um, it was also a lot of fun and i'm so glad so much fun and such a gift 
to yeah. get to work closely with you and yeah. learn about each other and learn about ourselves in the process of like holding the vision and the space for our sisters to come together, mm. which was also a really beautiful experience too. So mm. many gifts out of it for sure. Maybe we should talk a little bit about what giving, like how, what giving voice means to you, how it supports mm. you. Yeah, definitely. Giving voice and the network of sisters has been so important to my religious life and a place of sustaining the like desire to follow Jesus because all of the sisters are so passionate and so dedicated to gospel living and following Jesus. So anytime we're together, I always come away being inspired by that mm. in the sisters and their great love. And then having a place where you don't have to explain all the weird things about religious life <laughs> yeah, right. that often happens with our friends outside of religious life who are our own age. And you don't have to explain all the things about pop culture or life outside of the convent, which happens with our elder sisters. Like one time I was saying to my sisters, my house who were like over 75, I was like, so yeah, you know, like in Pinterest, they have all that like DIY stuff. And they're like, oh, what is DIY? And I was like, oh, you know, like do it yourself. And they were like, okay, we can do it ourselves. Like why would we need <laughs> people to tell us to do it ourselves? Did you have to define Pinterest too? Um, I think they had a sense of what oh, okay. Pinterest was, though I may have had to. <laughs> like a bulletin board <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah you know so and it, for me I mean I, I what you're saying resonates because giving voice is totally like normalized my vocation like we're doing this yes. really weird thing with our lives um, with who we are as people by committing ourselves to Jesus this way through our vows of poverty celibacy and obedience which are mm -hmm. totally countercultural things, um, and yet gospel things, and yet so. Um, it's just really, I don't know, having that sense of camaraderie of like age mates. I don't feel like such an oddball because yeah. you're my friend. So thank you. I, yeah, definitely that sense of normalized. Yeah, and this is part of it, and I think too about getting to expand understanding of religious life through the diversity of sisters that like not all the sisters in giving voice were born in the u.s mm -hmm. um, or are like even though we're all under 50 there's still a diversity of age and experience within that and so mm -hmm. i think it also contributes to a sense of the diversity of religious life and mm -hmm. hope I think also for religious life um, into the future. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Huh. And I mean, you're in California, you're, uh, yet you're a student at Harvard Divinity, yes. <laughs> but I'm talking to you, you're in Los Angeles right now. I mean, and here I am in Chicago. I mean, that's also part of the nature of it, of religious life, like for our generation, is this like, way that we're bopping around geography 
and then right. we're able to stay connected and and have this camaraderie this sisterhood built between us so yeah I, I think that is really significant because it means that our congregations are not boundaries like we're not bounded um, to only engage with the sisters within our congregation or our regional area and we are in relationship with each other outside of like formal leadership roles too, mm -hmm. like formal work or like meetings that we're in together, committees or something like it's, it really is that, that camaraderie sense is that we are in relationship as friends, as sisters. And I think that's really significant for us, for our sustaining ourselves and for what, religious life will continue to look like in the mm. US. Yeah. So there's you're saying so many things that um I want to ask about. <laughs> let's let's if you don't mind, I would love to hear you um talk a bit about what your what led you to Harvard Divinity and then what you're learning there about like what religious life is or like what role you think we as sisters might have in the church or society? Sure. With my community, we have been talking for a while about continuing study. And especially as Dominicans, we are really into study. It's one of our pillars. So there have been conversations um, about it. When I was a novice, I studied at Santa Clara. I take that back as a candidate. I studied at Santa Clara University. And as a novice, I studied a Jesuit school of theology in Berkeley. And as I was looking into studying, continuing my studies, I was really drawn to the interreligious community that makes up Harvard Divinity School and also the emphasis and availability of classes about women in religion mm. in a variety of ways. Um, and when I went to visit, I went clearly as sister and as Catholic, like wore my habit, and everyone was so welcoming. Like I walked into a class on Buddhism, and the professor was like, we're so glad you're here. Come sit down. We started with sitting meditation, and then he like launched in the class and was like, hope you come back. And so I felt no stigma at all about being sister in that space and just felt this such a strong invitation to getting to explore what does it mean to be a Catholic and to be a sister in a world that is full of religious diversity. Yeah. I found that as I looked at my experiences um, since I made between first vows and final vows teaching in a school that my community owns, a Catholic school doing Catholic campus ministry, particularly in, my, in the Catholic campus ministry work, that I lived in a very Catholic world, but my students were not living in a Catholic world in the same way I did. And I felt like I did not have the skills to help them to navigate and understand themselves as Catholics in this diverse cool. world. And so that also was motivation for me to go to HDS um, in that. So 
in this school year that I've been there, I love it so much. It has been so hard to not be there. It's such... Not be there now during quarantine. Oh, not be there now during quarantine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Since we um, came back home, since we had to leave since, yeah, from quarantine. Okay. Um, it is just, so I, I just love the community. I love the diversity of people. And people who go to divinity school are really seekers. They're not trying to like make a ton of money and get ahead in life. Like if you're getting a master's in divinity, you aren't getting a MBA or a, you know, you're, you're not trying to really get ahead in life. And so I find a lot of resonance in um, values and openness that my classmates share um, with, with me. And so I love being there so much. I've had great classes, the classes I've had about women. I had um, a women in Catholicism history class my first semester, had a women in religion looking at theories of agency this semester, um, also a history class, had a religious literacy class this semester that I love a lot and has really helped me to be more aware of how much religion influences all aspects of our society and culture oh. and is so deeply embedded in a variety of ways in the narratives that um, we tell ourselves as a country um, and cultures like that has really offered a helpful set of tools um, for looking at religion in society and also looking at um, within Catholicism, particularly in thinking about the diversity that does exist within Catholicism and the cultural embeddedness that Catholic practices have in people's lives and how meaningful those practices are to what we call Catholicism. Mm -hmm. So what do you, in, in that context, which is, you know, very interfaith, and it sounds like your Catholic world is totally, the bubble's been popped or it's, you've been stretched out of it, which is beautiful to hear about. Um, but like, what is it, does it mean to be a Catholic in that setting, or even just a Christian? Like, I'm really interested in that. What's, how? Yeah. So, what, like, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ with, if like other people don't know what the gospel is? Yeah. I have been taking a comparative theology class this semester taught by a Jesuit priest who is one of the forerunners of the field of comparative theology. And what I have um, learned from his work and from him is that we can hold a rootedness in our own tradition and look into and come to understand other traditions or another tradition alongside our own and that they that other tradition can inform how we come to understand our own and ourselves i think on a personal level the theology the catholic theology that i come to is that Jesus is 
the incarnation of the transcendent and the divine. And that is, tells us about our God who is a, a border crosser. Mm-hmm. And for me, then, that tells me to wonder about where does Jesus show up in my life that I am trying to create boundaries around where Christ is in my life. And also that I am capable of bringing Christ into other spaces and then learning more about who Christ is for me through others who aren't going to talk about Christ Mm. or truth in that way that Mm. I'm going to talk about it. Um, And I find also that the prayer and spiritual practices that I have developed over the years of being a sister, praying communally, having time for silence and contemplation, like those are spaces where I get to meet and talk with my friends of other traditions and that we can find each other in those spaces because of how those practices are meaningful for ourselves, um, though they might look different across traditions. So I think there's a witnessing, like we, we witness to each other about the seeking, the seeking of truth and goodness and beauty that we do in, in our own traditions and in, in no tradition or across mm. traditions or a mix of traditions together, like. Interspiritual or something. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I think for me, a constant call to be looking deeper and to, to say, okay, this another like theological principle I come to is something that Father Greg Boyle, the founder of Homeboy Industry says that God is always bigger than God. Mm. And so once I am thinking, I understand God, God is bigger than that. And I think encountering people of experiences and paths so different from mine helps me to keep doing that, to keep my eyes open, to keep, uh, there's a humility in that. Say like, I don't understand all of God. How can I keep understanding more and more the fullness of God? Wow. Yeah. You know, when I was um, working on my master's degree, uh, somewhere along the lines, I learned this, the this um that the actual uh church documents in the you know and catholic church talk about how to do missionary work isn't about like bringing christ to the other cultures but it's more about like awakening people to see how christ is already there so like we as we as christian or catholic missionaries go to other cultures to encounter christ who's already present we're not bringing right and and I think what some of what you're saying here is is um was reminding me of that, and I'm wondering if if I'm hearing that correctly if is is that kind of what you're saying like how could Christ actually be active in other religions and not limited to our narrow understandings of church or our own faith, our own tradition I mean it probably depends on how you define Christ like if Christ yeah. is light and beauty and love then absolutely christ is active everywhere yeah yeah i think it is about how you 
define Christ, how you go about that bringing, I think also is important. Um, the stance of listening, I think is really important. Something um, that Professor Clooney wrote in a text of his we read recently is that like his comparative work is looking at um, Hindu texts, Hindu theological texts and Catholic theological texts side by side. And saying that there is truth in both of those. Capital T truth, like objective truth. Uh, he uses like a lowercase t, but yeah, kind of like in that way, one might say that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And to like hold those together and listen to the work without trying to come to, okay, what actually is objective capital T truth? Like that, that's an, it's not a philosophical endeavor to do that, but it's like, I'm going to hold these texts together and hear how they might speak to each other or how I might hear something differently. And he has this line, he has this idea that the work that he's doing is a model that is part of a longer trajectory that may take centuries to come to fuller understanding. Like not even, so even that idea of like, am I, oh, you know, are we finding Christ or are we like bringing Christ? Like, there's something of like humility to say, I don't even know. Like I'm going to do this thing and not even know what the fullness of that is oh. like, to do this work that I think is the work I'm called to now that I, and I'm going to keep trying to understand that. And it contributes to a longer stream uh, of mm-hmm. scholarly work or missionary work or like mm-hmm. work of, of church and theology. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's my lifetime. So God is in the, our, the mystery or something, the God, the goodness is in the process, maybe not in the outcomes. Uh, yeah. Definitely. It's like being in the process. To the process. Yeah. In the is process, that, in, yeah. That, in the liminal, in the in-between mm. spaces, there are other comparative theologians that talk a lot about that, that it's like the in-between space is um also is like where the work of of the comparison lives and that it can seem really difficult to understand from the opposite poles where someone's like this is this is truth these are the things i know if and if i know this is truth i don't need to understand anything else about any other religion uh like if we're speaking in absolute terms instead of like comfortable with the gray and what's murky and what's messy. I mean, this is messy Jesus business after all, right? (laughs) So is that, I mean, would you say that's what discipleship is, is like being faithful and following the lead of the spirit in the process? For sure. I think so. I think like the image I also come to is just, is like being on the road with Jesus. Hmm. And that was pretty messy for all the disciples. Um, the homily I heard today, he, um, talked about, focused in on how in Emmaus and that walk to Emmaus, Jesus accompanied them and listened to them saying, don't you know all these things here? Also, here's all the stuff that happened. Like he didn't shut them up. He didn't say, judge them. He was like, just with them. 
listening to them in that. Um, and so I think Jesus witnesses also to like that, the messiness of our own stuff as we're trying to come to understand. Um, and that like, we're not our hearts burning. Like, wasn't yeah. weren't we seeing it? Like we didn't see it, but it was like, <laughs> it was there. That love was there. And we just weren't able to see it. It sometimes occurs to us after the fact too, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we can only see things and, um, retrospect you know and like maybe that's why the spiritual practice of the examine or like other sorts of living the contemplative yeah. life and being so faithful to it is so important of like we have to look back and we have to notice and not just like yeah, yeah. We, that's how we pay attention to the the work of the spirit along with us on the journey as we're walking mm -hmm. and, and and engaging in messy relationships where mm -hmm. where yeah, things aren't defined and that like stance of listening yeah. that is necessary in the contemplative life in what? in the messiness what mm. to want to not listen that inclination kind of denies the messiness says like oh I, I i have the answers or i don't need to you know figure something out it's not messy yeah. <laughs> here's what i have to say <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't really match the image of, of God that I have. I love your image of God as, as border crosser, as like that's who Jesus was by beco God becoming incarnate in Jesus is he crossed the border between divinity and humanity. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So that's from my favorite, one of my favorite theologians, Daniel Grudy, who does uh, kind of uh, theology of migration. And he has a great article. Awesome. Um, well, our time's coming to close. It's been so fun. I love talking to you about, about God. Thanks. <laughs> Jesus. I like talking to you about Jesus too. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add about mm -hmm. discipleship, gospel living? Discipleship, gospel living. Your passion. I, I just keep thinking it's all about love, right? It's just all love. Yeah. And how do we... How do I let my heart continue to expand into love, mm. which is painful mm. and beautiful and messy? Uh, and you know, to tie it all together here, true love doesn't try to change the other, right? Mm -hmm. It totally yeah. accepts and walks with the other. Yes. Like right. Jesus did. That's Jesus. So if, if we're really engaging in loving our neighbors, loving our, our non-religious neighbors, our Buddhist neighbors, our Hindu neighbors, our Muslim neighbors, like we are accepting their beliefs, their systems of faith. We're accepting their traditions. We're loving them for who they are. Yes. It's yeah. not our job to judge. Yeah, I think so. That's really beautiful. If you don't mind me saying, I don't want to be like, <laughs> I don't want to be putting words in your mouth, but I just am noticing like it ties together. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And there's so much that we get to experience in from each other too, I think. Yeah. So much beauty. Oh. It's open. 
Well, I love you. <laughs> I love you too. We love Jesus. Yay. <laughs> okay, peace out. <laughs>
saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished out of their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven gathered together, and those who were with them, who said, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. In the sacred silence, enter into a conversation with Jesus. What do you want to say to Jesus because of this story? What questions do you want to ask him? Talk to Jesus about those things now. How does Jesus respond to you? Allow yourself to imagine what he might say or do because of what you have poured out to him. Lastly, thank Jesus for this encounter and this time of prayer. Peace be with you all. Peace. That's episode two of Messy Jesus Business. Thanks for listening. Messy Jesus Business is produced, hosted, and edited by me, Sister Julia Walsh. Consultation provided by Jessica Mesman and Cassidy Hall. You can find us online at MessyJesusBusiness.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, could you please do three things? Share with your friends, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts, and leave us a review. Thanks. Messy Jesus Business is produced in partnership with the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration. You can learn more about our religious community and donate to our mission at www.fspa.org. I'm Sister Julia Walsh, and I'll catch up with you next time. Until then, peace and all good. Jesus, keep my eyes on you. Help me stand. Help me stand for what's right. Help me walk. Help me walk in the light. Help me run. Help me run for the prize. Jesus, keep my eyes on you. Jesus, keep my eyes on you.